Before we get into today's episode of the Dads and the Docs, we've got to let you know about our best mates, Big W. Mate, they've literally got everything. They've got onesies, they've got prams, they've got car seats, they've got all the everyday nursery essentials. They've got it all. Absolutely. It's all quality, it's all affordable, everything you need from bump to bub. Big W, it's where you go once you know. Welcome to the final episode of the Dads and the Docs. It is episode 12. You've been at three months at home. Congratulations, Dads. You're, you're basically a professional Mate, now. Home and hosed very much comes to mind. Three months. The, the clouds in the sky have parted. The sun is shining through. Yep. So for our final episode... We're going to do exactly what we've been doing for all the other episodes. We're going to play some reflections, then we're going to give you some tips at the end, and there might even be just like a nice little heartwarming wish as well at the end from us. So, dads, let's play that catchy, catchy tune and get straight into it. Where do new dads go when they need info? They go to the docks. It's the dads in the docks. That's the name. Without further ado, kicking off the final episode, Dr. Mike, hit us up with some of Dr. Garvey's pearls of wisdom. You didn't instantly fall in love with your partner, so the expectation <laughs> that you'll instantly fall in love with a baby is actually a bit crazy, Yeah, you know, and I think that's the hard thing. Social media puts a lot of stuff out that, you know, the moment I saw this baby, I was instantly knew this was my purpose in life and nothing else matters now. And then you're kind of reading that going, man, I've still got other things I'm interested in Mm. and this can actually be really hard sometimes and sometimes I'm like at just breaking point because this bub has been crying I've been trying to settle them for hours and I still remember just pacing around the house going man am I never going to be able to relax again and hang out with my partner and have time with her and stuff and it was really hard and I'm like a so-called expert in that space and I couldn't settle it. I know we talked about this in a previous episode but just wanted to highlight this one because it really rings true and I thought that it was so articulately put together that you didn't instantly fall deeply madly forever in love with your partner as soon as you saw them you might have been like I really really love you but you didn't fall in love with them straight away and if you did you probably probably a bit more lust to be honest but (laughs) hopefully you have felt that with your uh, with your baby that you've fallen in love with them but know that you might not fall deeply in love with them as soon as you see them like I did. So I talked about it in a previous one. If you missed it, maybe there's some dads tuning in for the first time. They're three months in and they thought, hey, I'll come in at the end and I'll listen reverse. I don't know why you do that. But when Celia was born, I didn't feel this huge overwhelming rush of emotion. My heart didn't explode. I just thought, cool, here's another responsibility in my life. I want to protect her and I knew I wanted to protect her, but I didn't feel this full love. And I think that putting it like that really puts everything into perspective for me and makes sense that you just sometimes it takes time to develop the love of it. So And yeah. where were you after three months? Three months, damn, I'm right in it. Three months is like I'm fully, deeply, madly, I'm like Savage Garden in love. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's sick. Like I remember being in three months because for a lot of dads, three months, you probably most likely back at work. Like you are Back in the throes of the nine to five, you are, and mum is probably at home. Most mums will still be at home for the first three months, but you're back at work. Do you remember the transition back to work for you? I actually don't. 
I just, I, again, like I think it, I was so deep sleep deprived that I don't remember. <laughs> I, I think I went to work and I, th- I think I did my job, but yeah, I, I, I don't really remember the transition as such, but I do remember it easing up and, you know, at that three month mark kind of feeling like, you know, we're in a bit of a routine now and things are feeling a lot more manageable. Yeah, it's definitely like a period of time where you reckon you've got the hang of it and mostly you do. Like three months in, you've probably got most of the things sorted and some babies are still waking up during the night. It's a little bit different for everybody. Some people are getting a bit more sleep through there. Whatever you're doing, you're doing a bloody fantastic job because it is difficult to balance that work life, home life. You probably still want to see your friend's life and then... I think three months in was like when I really realised like how much it changes in mm. terms of your priorities about what you're looking to do and where you want to spend your time and, and everything sort of the puzzle pieces falling into place, I guess, at that period. Yeah, and, and going going back to, you know, the, the feeling of love instantly, I think, you know, we, we've got these layers of guilt and as a parent, these layers of guilt will just stack up like a stack of pancakes and the better you can get at kind of taking off these layers, the better you're going to feel because often there are unfounded reasons why you're why you actually feel feeling guilty. And like you said, you didn't if you felt guilty for those first three months because you didn't feel anything, and then three months in, you're like, hey, I, I love this kid and I feel it now. You spent kind of all this time worrying about nothing, and there are so many things to worry about. You don't want to be worrying about nothing. Much to and much to that point of feeling guilty, you don't feel guilty for not being truly madly deeply in love with your partner when you first met them now. So it's weird that you extrapolate that feeling to have initially when you're with your child as well. Mm. So it's just and a lot of the stuff on this podcast is just it's advice but things to be aware of and mm. things to be thoughtful of and to be cognizant of and that you're that you know that they might happen and they may not happen, but if they do, it's okay because it has happened to so many before. So I think that it's just normal for... And the fact that it's normal for both parents as well, I think is really important because you might feel deeply in love, which you've talked about in the previous episodes Mm. of how Sarah took her a few days to really fall into that massive wave of emotion. But for some people, it lasts a little bit longer and which leads us, Dr. Mike, perfectly into our next little clip from Dr. Garvey. So I think more broadly, and then we'll go on the kind of specifics of it, more broadly just not enjoying a barb or feeling like you're not doing it well, you're not good at it, this is a dramatic negative change in your life, you know, a lot of the stuff we've already touched on. If you're kind of feeling like that, it might be beyond the normal. There's kind of baby blues where you get this like hormonal surge in mums but we see dads as well that just find it really difficult i think it's that bit as well of like i've just got home i don't know what i'm doing all that stuff um and so any kind of feelings like that is gets to the point we talked about of reaching out to others around you i think when we do start to worry is when we know it's been going for a couple of weeks and you have that kind of either low mood so you're feeling sad and flat and low or you've just lost interest and pleasure in other stuff and you know we all go through periods of that but when that's sustained where the stuff you used to be interested in and you're not anymore that's always a really good metric on mental health because not everyone is a low mood not everyone kind of feels sad and so sometimes you go oh everything's really struggling at the moment but i don't feel sad so it can't be depression or it can't be you know something i need to worry about 
We know that the signs that beyond that that are really important are things like your sleep is really out of whack, you know, you're sleepy all the time, you're, you're not able to sleep, appetite's a bit the same and you can kind of have a dramatic change in your appetite when you're depressed and postnatal depression is like that too. It's a bit the same. I don't know about you, but you know how when you, your mood isn't great, you get really agitated mm-hmm. and that kind of agitation that persists can be a symptom of it. Same as like when you're agitated you can, or sad or flat, you can't focus well and focus is another thing. And people often don't think about those two as depression. It's kind of like, oh, no, it's just normal to not be able to focus or be agitated, but those are symptoms of that. You know, poor memory, your memory can be thrown out. You can kind of find that you just, you know, your reasoning is a bit hopeless and you're kind of having a lot of conflict with your partner. Those kind of are often the kind of core symptoms that we'll see. So Dr. Garvey said something that I thought was super useful in, you know, in that after two weeks, if you're still feeling this disconnection and you're, you're not enjoying bub, then that could be an early sign of postnatal depression. And some of the symptoms associated with postnatal depression are often quite similar to just being a parent, right? Like constantly tired and fatigued and all those sorts of things, which can be really difficult to identify in your partner or in yourself. But one of the things that I thought was interesting was you're not you you're you can notice that your partner isn't into things or not getting enjoyment out of things they that they would normally. And I think that's a, a, a kind of a great identifier to know as as dad because that's something that knowing your partner pretty well you can identify. And maybe go, hey, is everything okay? And and then together come up with a with a plan to get some help. Yeah, food like might be food, might be music, might be video games, it might be cooking, it might be anything. But if the enjoyment isn't there, I think that just those the advice, the tips of things to look out for, and that it lasting more than two weeks is a really mm. important thing because there's those initial baby blues where. Uh, like I talked about in the episode with Dr. Golly, if you go back and listen, how. Rach experienced the post-baby blues, which I didn't even realise even like it took the interview for him to say, oh, that's the post-baby blues where Rach would cry out of the blue and then she was like, I don't know what's wrong, whereas this is something that's different because it's prolonged Mm. and it's the time period of that. And I think just the rates, like it's flabbergasting, almost very similar to the miscarriage stats about how high it is that postnatal depression in women is one in five and postnatal depression in men is one in ten. So if you got ten mates, one of them is going to have like a proper hard time. Everyone's going to have a difficult time, but one of them will be having so much more difficult a time. So reach out to your other dad mates, and your partner has a one in five chance. Think of people play the lotto thinking they're going to win. That's like one in thirty million. Yep. Your chance of getting postnatal depression is one in five. Like that's worse than roulette. Like yep. it's. Just something to be aware of, not alarmed by or alerted by, or just something to be to think of it and and to try and identify in your partner or in yourself as well, because those rates are far too high, so high, and um, you know, and it goes back to coming into being a parent, not knowing what the fuck you're doing, yeah, and 
that then has an impact on your self-esteem. If you're rocking up to the NBA every day having never played basketball and tried to play alongside LeBron, you would walk out of that. Probably been drafted terribly. Yeah, you you would walk out of every training session feeling pretty low on yourself that you are pretty shit at this thing. And like that is parenthood. You know what? You don't know what you're doing. You have never practiced it. You've never trained for it. You've done as much preparation as you possibly can, but – you know, you're you're basically going, I'm probably not as good as I thought I was or I don't know why I'm not getting this, which is just hitting both parents with this self-esteem issue, which then can have these prolonged effects. A hundred percent. The And the advice to tell your partner that if they are experiencing PND, it's not their fault. It's, it is such a something that happens and then being that support, which is, again, much a very common thread through the whole podcast and all the interviews we've done is just be the support there for your partner. And when they're having a tough time, don't necessarily try and fix it immediately. Mm. Be there as a support and as a shoulder to cry on or as a rock to lean on or whatever it may be. But just being there and being aware is is really important. I think the the tips – and I think Dr. Garvey does a great job across the whole chat talking about mental health and being how – because like we're saying, three months in – you've probably got most of the practical stuff down. You know how to change a nappy, you know how to bath your baby, you know how to change them into new clothes, you know roughly when they want to sleep, you know roughly when they're hungry, all that kind of thing. So the three-month time is a really good time to start to try and be aware of your mental health because for the, uh, the rest of the time, you're just trying to – you churn in so much milk that it's turned into butter. Mm. Like if they threw you in a, in a bucket full of milk, you'd be thrashing so much that that thing becomes butter. So – after this time has happened, it's just a good time to sort of check yourself and every week or so look at yourself, look at your partner and think, am I enjoying things like I used to enjoy them or am I being a bit more forgetful than I used to be, that kind of thing. So I think they're just really helpful for ways to go about it. And, and it's not on you to necessarily fix the problem, right? You know, when if, if you've got – if you identify the problem, that is the big hurdle because you're in this time when you're in the trenches trying to be a parent for the first time. Communication may not always be at the same level that it once was and so you're not picking up on cues and you're, you know, you're not really understanding whether someone's just tired because you've had a kid or whether they're actually suffering from postnatal depression. So it's, it's awareness is the key word and identifying that it's there and then go see help. No one, yeah, I, re, I love what he said. No one kind of questions you about using a puffer if you've got asthma. Yeah. Right? I've got asthma and no one ever questions me using using a puffer. But people are like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling a bit, you know, cloudy in, in the head or not feeling myself. I don't want to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go see a doctor about it. There's this taboo about it. But, you know, go get the help you need to fix the underlying problem. Yeah, it's a good, good piece of advice that, don't try and fix it yourself. Yeah. So like because dads want to fix everything. I'm sure there'll be a lot of dads out there that will try and go, like we do, go straight mm. into solutions mode. Yeah. How can I fix this? But the solution is actually to outsource, get a help from a therapist, get a help from a doctor. And again, Matt, I don't know if it's just because it's the last episode, but we have segued beautifully into the next <laughs> little clip that Dr. Mike's going to play us. <laughs> I mean, some would think we've done this 12 times, 11 times before. Often people will need, you know, therapy, medication. Those are, those are not because there's a weakness in you. That's like no one feels like that about asthma. It's not like, hey, toughen up. 
<laughs> you're a bit soft if you need a puffer. Yep. It's like that's what your body needs. That's what you need for this thing that's not your fault. No one sits around and feels like it's my fault I've got asthma. So we should be the same around stuff like this. And, you know, that's important that we use that language as well in our partners. If we're a dad and we've got a mum who's struggling as our partner, it's really important that we're listening and responding and making sure that as much as possible we're saying, I'm so sorry this is happening and this is nothing to do with who you are as a parent or how good of a mum you are or anything like that. And we, it's just sometimes harder to even hold ourselves to that account and not beat ourselves up because the last thing you need if you're struggling with depression is to also be giving yourself a hard time going, I can't believe I'm depressed and I've got a new baby that mm. we've been trying for for ages or whatever. And we talked about that, the asthma puffer line, which is so good that we wanted to replay it a second time. And there's just so many avenues for help out there for you to know that exist, whether that's the maternal child health nurse helpline, whether that's a, like going to see your doctor, going to see a therapist. There's so many going to see your friends, like genuinely seeing your friends and hanging out with them may help a lot of dads get out of the funk that they feel they're in. But then there's also there's medications and there's so many other options for PND. And it, the rates are probably higher because it's now becoming okay to to treat it, whereas 20, 30 years ago, and this might be something that like, you know, because a lot of old people say like, oh, we didn't have it in our day. Probably had it, probably just didn't talk about it. Exactly, like so, most things back then. Yeah, so having it is is not your fault. It's just something that exists, but it's something that can also be fixed. And I think finding, talking to people will help uh, enable you to find other people who've also experienced it and then help you talk through how they got through it, which may help you as well. Totally. Similar to the, the miscarriage thing, like we were talking about on the very, very first episode, how 25% of, of pregnancies unfortunately end in miscarriage and it's only through talking to them that you can find other people that tell you how they got through it too. Yeah, and if you're working for a larger business, they've often also got outlets that you can use through that avenue to go speak to someone through that that's often free and covered by by your employee employer so that's another avenue as well yeah. seeking help is not a form of weakness in the slightest especially being a parent is like always the exception to the rule like it's always it's always okay to seek help it's always okay to be not okay yeah be okay with not being okay which again common threads All right, Adam, it's time to take a quick break to hear from our best mates at Big W. Sarah is always giving me stick for not getting the kids' clothes matched right. They're always mismatched. <laughs> Mate, me too. Rach reckons that I have no idea what's going on when I'm picking shirts and shorts. Well, our best mates at Big W have got it sorted. They have mix and match tees and shorts that take that pain out and you can never be criticized again. And best thing is they're three for 12 bucks. Absolute bargain. Dads, go out and get them now. Go to Big W. They've got everything. The brands, they've got the essentials. They've got the prices. We are genuinely saying this as dads who've been there and done that. Go to Big W. It'll sort absolutely everything out for you. Big W, it's where you go once you know, while stocks last. All right, Dr. Mike, what has Dr. Garvey, your best mate, got for us now? Certain people who have like certain things where they're like, this is what you do, this is the best way to get a kid to sleep independently and all that stuff what we know is they pretty much don't pick up that stuff they can't develop bad habits for the first six months mm -hmm. so a lot of people are so worried that they're like 
oh no, if this baby always falls asleep in my arms, there's going to be, this is going to be like something they're really worried about, you know. So there's a really funny thing we have in Australia around co-sleeping as well. When majority of the world, families co-sleep and those kids are all fine. But people worry I'm setting up bad habits. But what we know is especially in early bubs, you, you can't set them up with bad habits. What The most important thing is just that you are giving lots of good opportunity for attachment, which is just holding them, playing with them, laughing with them, you know, all that stuff. So Dr. Garvey talked about babies not making bad habits in the first six months. And this was music to my ears because <laughs> I think I, I think dads are especially bad at this, right? Because we've been either brought up in a certain way or we've heard from our friend about certain things and you, you get in your head these things around, oh, we, we don't want to, you know, coddle the baby too much and, you know, sleeping in our bed every night and, you know, he needs to kind of have some independence. <laughs> it's like, man, where is all this coming from? Like, you know, babies aren't going to – because they're co-sleeping with you, for example – going to form a bad habit and then at the age of 25 are going to still be co-sleeping in your bed with you (laughs) you know do what you what feels right and comfortable for you don't don't think about these bad habits that don't actually exist or ever will exist you know I I know for us Sarah was a big fan of co-sleeping which meant for me who was getting up for work every day i Walk, I left the main bedroom and for a while was sleeping in a separate bed so they could co-sleep together. And at the time, I was, I have to admit, I was a little bit unsure about it. I was like, this is not how I've seen parenting happen before. And, you know, I'd kind of come to this assumption that, you know, that's not the thing you should do. And Sarah was really adamant that she had done her research and this is what she felt comfortable with and it was good for the baby. And then, you know, I then went and did my own research as I often do. And, and I, I, after reading her, I thought, you know what, she's, she's right. And just hearing that, it's like, it's so true. You don't, you don't, these babies aren't making bad habits Do you know, it, they, they love that love and give them love and don't feel like you're giving them too much love. Yeah. You got to do what you got to do to get by. What yep. I heard, why part of the thing that I took from um, when Dr. Garvey said that you can't make bad habits in the first six months was that you got free swing. Yeah. Like that's absolute free swing territory for this first six months. There's nothing you can do that will like impact how your baby or the, like how they function as an adult will not be impacted by the first six months of little things that you think will happen. So like don't worry about it. You're gonna be you're gonna be okay. You yeah. are gonna you're gonna make it through. All right, Maddie, it's time for our final piece of advice from our docs. Dr. Mike, hit us with the last piece of advice that we're going to reflect on before we hit our final notes. I have to like really purposely be affectionate to my partner in front of my daughter. That's really early role modeling I'm setting up for her about what relationships should be like. And that starts really early and that does start. Like you should start doing that when bubs come along because then realizing you're vulnerable to being like, yeah, we used to be affectionate to each other, but there's a baby here now. So we've got to prioritize that. But it's it's really important because kids watch what we do more than listen to what we say. And so from very early on, they're watching us and they're watching, they're feeling how we comfort them, but they're also watching how we comfort each other. So it's a, it's a really important point of like trying hard. Your point of like, 
if you can, protecting some time together. And we talk about them as families or in relationships as sanctuaries. And you're just like, that's our sanctuary. That's our time where it's not, the washing can't happen during it. Like it's just, and whatever that is for anyone, if it's like 10 minutes a week, you're just like, this is us just enjoying each other. And then, you know, also making sure you enjoy bubs together and not be like, okay, cool, you've got the baby. Sweet, I'm going to go and do this thing and just put them down and both be there because that little bub is watching and going, how cool is this? Like both of the most important people in my world are both in my eye line. They're both responding and holding my gaze and laughing with me and touching me and all that stuff. But yeah, once again, I'm the, the you know, the expert on this stuff that struggles to go home and do it. So I think it's important that people hear that as well. Going over the top to be affectionate, I think is such a good piece of advice that you can do f- to your partner and for your partner. Mm. Like it's almost have to make it a little bit comical where you're over the top affectionate, but being making time out of your day to just like hug or give them a kiss or whatever it may be. I think it's great. It seems, and you know, if you're not yet a parent listening to this, it probably seems a little bit ridiculous that, you know, the advice from a doctor is to be over affectionate to your partner because it seems so easy and, you know, something that you'd potentially do anyway. But again, when that baby comes, it's really days can go by where you haven't even thought about kissing your partner. You know, there's not a moment where you're like, oh, this is nice and we're going to kiss. And like, it, you know, you've just, you're, you're in the trenches and, and that it can be months. And it's really actually quite rewarding for your kid to see mum and dad kiss and show affection and that show them how to love. That was the thing that shocked me, I think, when he was like, it's really good to model the, that behaviour. And I Because you always think like, oh, this baby's so small, it's not really taking anything in. But it's actually taking in that you are being affectionate and mm. that on a very like subconscious level. was it, it like blew my mind. Yeah. Absolutely blew my mind. And we're talking about kind of that three-month mark, but this kind of then continues now. My son's three and a half years old and I still try and show affection to, to his mum in front of him. And often now when I go and kiss Sarah in front of Malik, he wants to come and get a kiss from me and get a kiss from Malik. <laughs> and then we, it turns into this big family hug fest and we're hugging each other. He kisses his mum and Sarah kisses me and then I kiss him. And then, you know, and then it's just a really nice family moment. That's, that's really lovely. The, I think that's a great thing for people to think about is – that make it a habit early on and then it will just carry on through your child's life Mm. because so much of the research that I've read says that like the best way to parent your child is to model the person you want them to become because you can say to them, oh, you've got to clean your room, you've got to clean your room, you've got to clean your room, you've got to clean your room. But if you don't clean your room, they won't clean their room either Mm. because they don't see the point of it. And if you say, oh, you've got to help my man in the kitchen, help my man in the kitchen, help my man, but, or help dad out in the kitchen, help me out here, help me out here, whatever it is, if you don't do it, they won't do it either. So, like, be the person that you want your kid to be because that's who they'll be. I think that's, like, it's such obvious advice, but if you tell your kid to be resilient and you're not resilient yourself, kid's not going to be resilient totally. either. And and. That to, to summarize that, it's about raising your standard. Don't expect someone someone to do something that you wouldn't do, mm. and just raise your standards and you know keep your standards high of, of of how you show up every day in the house. And talking about kind of creating 
a routine around being affectionate. I don't know if, you know, some, some people who are listening might have read Atomic Habits, but linking that moment to a different habit. So for me, it's I get up in the morning and I go to work, I kiss Sarah on the way out, and then at night before I go to bed, kiss Sarah to go to bed, and I do that intentionally in front of Malik so he sees that, you know, we, we greet each other in the morning and the night. So try to link it to one of your other habits. 100%, yeah. Start it early and then just like run it all the way through. The, I also really like the bit where he said um, meet their gaze. It reminded me, I don't know if you remember this, but we once watched a TV show hosted by Ray Martin and it was like two people that it was, they didn't know each other or they hated each other or... Yeah, they'd had, a f- they'd had some sort of... Falling out. Falling out. Like haven't f- spoken in years. Like, yes. Is this what reminded you? Yes, Family, totally. friends that didn't get on and they sat these two people in a room. They weren't allowed to speak and they just had to look into each other's eyes for five minutes with a stopwatch mm. and then after that five minutes tell each other how they felt and it like completely changed how they felt it was this like really primal human connection Mm. of just eyeballing someone and then they would fall in love with you so i remember celia when she's really tiny and in this period in the first three months where i would just like try and eyeball her and i I would think in my head fall in love with me fall in love with me fall in love (laughs) with me fall in love with me and i still to this day think that that helped me build a connection with her but also her a connection with me because there's this like really and like I'm not really a big like spiritual guy or a guy who's like about all that like intangible thing but there's I think it sounds like there's science behind it because Dr. Garvey's telling us about it that there's these like neural connections that form when you're just eyeballing someone and if you're eyeballing your newborn they will fall in love with you which I think is just like I think it's fucking sick ass. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah. It is absolute magic. So I reckon I reckon that is also the perfect way to end our doctor notes. That and a huge thank you. We'll give a, a, a bit of a note to him at the end because we've got to get to our non uh, our non um, medical notes, and we'll we've got a, bit, a thank you coming for everybody listening in a bit as well. But the few things that I would like to um, mention that haven't been mentioned so far in the first three months is a tog rating. <laughs> Something I'd never heard of in my entire life. What's a TOG rating? It's a thermal overall grade, and I've just had to look at that, and it's like how th- basically how thick the sleeping bag yep. is or how thick the thing is that you're putting in your baby in. And it's useful to know there is um, a, a website you can find. Uh, it's from Red Nose Day, which is the SIDS charity, and it tells you the temperature in the room and what TOG rating you should have your kid in as related to the temperature in your room and so you can get like a thermometer for the bedroom and then it'll tell you you go just go to the website and it's like it's 20 degrees i need to be in x tog rating and you just find the like little sleeping bag put them in there perfect and you will find that unless you live in a very very cold part of the world you probably will never use that very highest tog no, rating yeah. in australia yeah unless you're in like the depths of tasmania yeah, in the yeah. middle of winter <laughs> you probably and then the opposite is like if you're up in darwin you're probably never even going to use like a one and a half tog at all yeah not and at you'll all get used to the tog but if you can tell your partner that you know what a tog rating is by listening to this before they know about it again you've taken some advice and taking that mental load off your partner and they'll bloody love you being involved. <laughs> Sarah and I have a running joke with that because every night she'd come in and say, hey, is it cold tonight? How cold do you think it is? Yeah. And I would I'd 
sarcastically lick my finger and put it in the air and feel the wind and go, yeah, look, I think it's, I think it's, you know, pretty cold tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, look at her, I just get out my app that tells me the weather. <laughs> go, well, the app says, the same app that you have says this. And she'll be, <laughs> but really all she wanted was like a, someone to co-decide with her because yep. again, the, just not to have all the responsibility on her shoulders around what to put our son to sleep in. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> and then our final, final piece of advice, this one, important, take videos, not pictures. Take a few pictures, definitely, but by shit, are you going to watch those videos much more that you're going to, much more than you're going to look at those photos. You'll get some sick photos, but videos, like we're still watching videos of when Celia's like wriggling around as a newborn when they've got no control over their limbs at all. Like mm. videos are the best. They take them when... Like we said way back in Dr. Chan's episode in the hospital, if you think something's wrong, take a video of it so you can show a medical professional. But just like when they're doing stuff, just when they're doing nothing, just take videos, also take videos of your partner when they're doing nothing, when they're just like sitting on the couch hugging and cuddling and holding the baby. If they're in the kitchen holding the baby, if they're in the dining table eating dinner, if you're in the kitchen, like just take videos of random shit that's happening because you'll watch that so much more than you'll ever look at a photo. Yeah. For me, it's be comfortable and aware that this sense of responsibility is there to stay. Yep. And no one tells you that, you know, from the moment you become a parent, you are given this great responsibility that if you don't carry it in the right way, can become a real burden on you mentally and physically so be aware that there's a reason our parents were crazy parents that told us to do this and <laughs> not sleep there and not do that because they had this level of responsibility. And from the day that baby is born, you have that responsibility and just be aware of it and how you carry it. It's like Spider-Man, like Uncle Ben saying, with great power comes great <laughs> responsibility. That's you now. You are, dads, you're Spider-Man. It, you instantly can relate to your parents in a way that you could never before. Yep. I think about all the things my parents would let me do and what they wouldn't let me do. And I used to think at that time, like, oh my God, you know, immigrant Lebanese parents putting on restrictions on me. And I think now with the things that they let me do, I'm like, I wouldn't let Malik do that. I was getting, <laughs> I was getting fucked up at my mate's house at 14. Yeah. Like, I don't want him doing that. <laughs> yeah. It completely changes the mindset. So yeah. that brings us to the end of season one of the dads in the docks. Dads, we want to say to you, as we've said at the end of every single episode, good luck. But thank you also for being a part of this journey. Thank you to all of the doctors who've given up some of their time because they're very, very busy men. Uh, so we really appreciate all the time and advice and tips and wisdom and, and everything that they've brought to the show because the Dads and the Docs doesn't exist if it's just called the Dads. So we really needed them <laughs> for just the title, just for, just for the nice ring. But from the bottom of our hearts... Like, thank you. Good luck and yep. well done and congratulations. Yep. Congratulations and good luck, dads. See you later. Now you know what to do from feeding to poos. You've been with the dads. The dads and the dogs.
Thanks for listening to our Little Dad podcast. We really appreciate it and we would really appreciate if you could also rate and review it wherever you're listening. It would help to share it around if you gave it five stars and wrote a little note. We really want to get this information out there so new dads can be of more use than we were when we were useless new dads. If you want to get in touch with us, we've got an email, thedadsandthedocs at gmail.com because we're tight asses and we couldn't afford an actual email because this is a little independent podcast of our own. If you want to get in touch with us on the socials, at Adam Denston or at Maddie underscore EF or the dads and the docs. It's across TikTok. It's across Instagram. Check them out. Give it a follow. Tell all your mates as well. Share all the posts around. We'd really, really appreciate it. Also, this episode was produced by us, Maddie and Adam, and also by Radio Mike. You can find him at Radio Mike on his socials. And the intro song and outro song were made by at Mikey D. Graham. Mikey D, legend, very catchy, and we really appreciate that too. All right, that's enough rambling from us. Thank you for being a part of the show. We look forward to the extra episodes. Time to get back dadding. It's time for us to get back dadding too. So we'll talk to you next week. And one more thing to add before we do head off, the information in this podcast is very general in nature and intended to help everybody prepare for what is to come in as best way possible. But if you do have any concerns or queries or questions about your health or your baby's health or your partner's health, please go direct to your health practitioner. They will be able to answer your questions in the best way possible. There's also so many resources out there for people who are struggling, Lifeline, Panda, the Panda helpline is fantastic, the Maternal Child Health Nurse hotline. Also, talk to your friends and family. Good luck out there, everyone. See you later. Now that we've finished that episode of The Dads and the Docs, we've got to thank our best mates at Big W. Mate, don't I have a deal for you? Huggies value pack of nappies is only 46 bucks at Big W. That's saving 13 bucks per pack. And once you buy about a million nappies that you're going to need, That's a lot of savings. Exactly right, Maddie. And not only have they got them, they've got quality, they've got affordability, and that's why they are our best mates. Big W, it's where you go once you know. Offer dates 26th of the 10th to the 8th of the 11th while stocks last.